Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. And what I discovered through that was that I'd had great success financially, but there was no significance in my life. I said, nobody cared that I had done pretty good. And if I had been the person killed that day at 40 years old, rather than the gentleman that was, my legacy would have been poor kid from Nashville, Tennessee, makes enough money to retire at age 27 and nobody cares. Hey, Rudder Nation, welcome to another episode of Beyond the Rut, the podcast that shares encouraging stories and practical tools to help pull you out of your rut into a life worth living in the areas of your faith, your family, and your career or business. I'm your host, Jerry Dugan. And on this episode, we've got Aaron Walker. He's the founder and CEO of View from the Top. And that is an organization that helps men achieve their top performance in life and in their business or career. He also is the leader of a mastermind group called Iron Sharpens Iron. And that's why I have him on this show uh, today, because we're going to talk about the power of accountability to live a new life for you. So maybe you've gone through a tragic event that's been holding you down. Maybe you've just found yourself stuck in a rut. How do you live purposefully to live the life you were created for? And how does accountability help you get there? So how could a mastermind group help you achieve your dreams, achieve your goals? And then what kind of folks should you be looking for to be your accountability partner? So Sit back and relax unless you are filling up water to stay hydrated. In that case, you could do both. You could listen to us while you fill up that water and drink it. Here we go. All right. Hey, Aaron, thanks for calling in. How are things going where you Jerry, are? Things are good, buddy. In Nashville, Tennessee, the weather's incredible. This is my time of the year. Nice. I, I do love fall weather. Now, of course, folks listening in, it might be winter might be spring, might be summer, because that's the power of podcasting. Mm. It's all year round after we record. Uh, but yeah, I do love autumn because the, the air changes. Yeah. It, you know, it's like sweltering hot, yeah. and all of a sudden it's crisp, yeah. it's clear. No humidity. And, uh, yeah. Yes, you go outside, yeah. take a walk, and uh, just enjoy the breeze. It's really good. Yes. How have you been? You doing good? Ah, doing well. Um, I guess since we last yeah. saw each other, um, I had told my boss I was going to go ahead and step down from my position uh-huh. and take a sabbatical and uh, decide from there. Um, well, I'm going to publish a book too, so I already decided that part. Uh, but yeah, I guess by the time people hear this, I I will have decided. Do I plug back into the corporate matrix and uh, do one more corporate job uh-huh. uh, or do I go ahead and launch uh, the business I've been dreaming about launching for I, I lost track how many No, years, man, you got to launch the heart. business. You're done with that other stuff. Oh, yeah. Just go do your thing. Tell me about the book. Ah, the book is, well, it started as the manifesto for Beyond the Rut. So, uh, you know, why did the show get started in the first place? And what's the journey our typical listener has probably experienced where you wake up one morning and you realize, you know, I've got all the things I was told I needed to have to be successful. Uh, so I've got the, the wife, the kids, the house, the Maybe the picket fence, the cars, I uh, got the job, the job title, the office, uh, maybe the paycheck, it's six figures, it's good. Uh, maybe it's really close to six figures, whatever it is. Like trajectory is where I was told to check all the boxes, but deep down inside, I, I feel like I'm stuck. 
and I'm trapped, you know, those, those golden handcuffs. And uh, so the book takes you through that journey, that realization that, you know, you're recognizing you're in the rut. And then understanding what that rut is, you know, where is it coming from? What is it that you really wanted it to do with your life where you feel called to go with your life uh, and then inventory where you are right now and then start to create that game plan of where is it I'm really wanting to go uh, and create and have an impact in the world. So that's understanding the rut and then uh, taking action to not just get out of your rut, but to live beyond it. And so that's what the whole show has been about. And I've wanted to write that down into a message that could be you know given away or sold as a book. Uh, so while I was at Podcast mm. Movement, I hired a self-publishing yeah. school. Uh, paid my money to to get coached by them and have them take care of some services for me. And then uh, it was kind of like, you know, burning the ships behind you, you because my wife said, all right, now that you spent the money, uh, I need you to earn that money back. Yeah. They're a good company. <laughs> so, He's a friend of mine. Yeah. So that's a great company. Really? Yeah. You'll enjoy working with Chandler. them. And I'm going to be highly disappointed if I don't get an autographed copy of that book. Oh, you definitely will, right. my friend. Cool. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, You've got some important stuff going on. I want the world to know. Awesome. Thank you. And, uh, and the neat thing, like we were just talking about, like, you know, the, the book is about, uh, people who recognize they've kind of checked all the boxes that somebody else has told them about. And before coming on here together, you shared a YouTube video with me where you're in, um, uh, I forget the park already, uh, but you're, you're going down some sort of greenway. And you're talking with your your viewers about uh, how you were getting recommendations for like sites to go see, and the the reason given is that's where everybody goes, and uh, and you kind of get there, and it's just sort of like, well, is this all there is? It seems like it it just it's the same old thing, um, and I, I just love the messaging behind that. Like the the ultimate thing is, you know, how many of us are really doing something because we're told that's what everybody else is yeah. doing. And, Not that we um, want to do it. It's just, we're like cattle. They're hurting us. Right. And yeah. man, you get to the other side of that and you're unfulfilled. There's no gratification. There's no meaning behind it. And we got to be careful doing that. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh... You know, you might be good at a thing, but it may not be the thing you're truly called right. to go do. You know, um, you know, how many people will become accountants because the money is yeah, good? Sure. You know, dad was an accountant. Granddad was an accountant. Yeah, and then five or but, six years later, you're like dreading Monday and you can't wait for Friday. And I'm like, man, right. I don't want to do that. Like I, I'm dreading Friday and can't wait for Monday. It's like, man, get up. Let's go. Let's change some lives. And, uh, yeah, you've got to have that purpose and meaning behind what you're doing. Otherwise, you know, you need to pray through doing something else. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, and you're probably in the same boat. Like, um, uh, I don't know if you know Cliff Ravenscraft. I know Cliff real well. We're good yeah. friends. I mean, he's kind of. Kentucky, yeah, Tennessee, yeah. kind of the neighborhood, right? <laughs> you know, he was what insurance sales yeah. and realized he didn't want to do that. Mm -hmm. He had a his family a was big into people. that. Yeah, and then another guy, Lou Mangello. I ran into him yeah. at podcast. Lou's a good guy. Yeah, uh, yeah, lawyer yeah. who realized I don't want to be a lawyer anymore. Yeah. I want to, I want to help people enjoy themselves at Walt Disney right, World and right. found his passion and uh, the whole podcast around people, Disney, which is cool. I know. Yes, I planned three trips off of that yeah. show. I know. Uh, well, Lou's cost you a lot yeah. of money. Uh, <laughs> he had, well, my wife, but yes. All right, there you go. That's good. That's good. Uh, but yeah, my wife will tell you. She'll rat me out. I, I want to go back to Disney as much as she does, if not more. And uh, yeah, just you learn something from his show, and you, you just hear it in his voice that he loves it. He, he uh, never gets tired of it. There's always something new to discover. 
and he's lived there in the Orlando area for about a decade. Um, but I mean, how much of that do you run into in the work that you do uh, with view from the top where you just run into men who are trapped doing the thing that other people tell about them seven to do? out of 10. And it's really sad yeah. that they do that because they have uh, lowered their expectations for themselves. They've hit a glass ceiling. Uh, they've got these upper limit challenges uh, someone has told them at some point, they're not smart enough. They're not good enough. Uh, don't think outside the box, stay in the lines, color inside the page, you know, and you're like, man, I don't want to do that. And the reason I get so excited about living is this is not a trial run. This is our life right now. We're living it today. And I don't want to be miserable. Right? I've had the privilege of owning 14 companies over a 44 year period. And people say, man, that's a lot of headache. Yes, it is. But there's also a lot of satisfaction as a result of being able to do some of the things that I wanted to do. I wanted to control my calendar as much as control the outcome for my future. And so today, right now, if I wanted to, after this, I could go hook my boat up and go to the lake because I love going to the lake, right? And I'm living the life that I want to live proactively, not living a life reactively. And I want to encourage your listeners today to think through what they're doing. And does this resonate with you? And a lot of people are afraid. They're afraid to switch gears. They're like, oh, it's safe here, right? And I know exactly what's expected of me. And uh, I punch the clock. I go in. I do my thing. I get off. I go home. And like, that's good if that's what you want to do. But if it's not what you want to do, I want you to kind of morph into that thing that God's calling you to do, right? The thing that gives you energy, the thing that you just like lay in bed at night and think about, man, I would love to be able to do this. But Jerry, the thing that's holding people back is they're afraid to fail. And I hear that every single day. They're like, man, I don't know that it would work. And I'm like, well, first of all, I don't believe in failure. I believe that failure is in not trying, not, not succeeding. And so failure would be to me laying there thinking, would it have worked? Right. And I say fear missing an opportunity more than you fear failure. And I want you to develop an attitude of like, I can't live my life to its fullest if I don't go accomplish this thing, whatever that is for you. And you've got to do a personal assessment of yourself and figure out what it is that you're qualified to do, what it is you enjoy, what it is it that gives you energy, what mark could you leave on the world that it's going to be a better and different place as a result of you having interacted in that spot. And that's the path that we've got to go down first. Nobody knows. No, some people know. A lot of people don't know what they want. And I wrote a document years ago. It's one of the most downloaded documents that I've written. And it's titled just that. What do I want? And there's about 25 or 30 questions on this document that you really have to be honest with yourself. And you have to answer what it is that you truly want. Like nobody's going to be looking, you know, nobody's going to be questioning you, but you just answer for yourself and happy to give that out. Also, you can put it in the show notes. And if people want a copy of that, I'm happy to give it to you just to do kind of a personal assessment. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use Capshow to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content, like podcast episodes or YouTube videos, into Capshow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. Capshow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial 
and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. Nice. That, that would be awesome. Yes. It's so true, though. It's um, We almost go through life playing it safe. And I think I heard somebody say that the goal in life isn't to get to your grave as safely as possible. It's to live that life that you've got. And uh, some of the most intense folks I've run into, not intense in terms of like aggressive intensity, but in terms of intentionality, have been folks who had a near-death experience where uh you know one of my past guests on the show Ron Worley the second uh had experience what they call the the widowmaker of heart attacks and the majority of those folks don't survive that attack and he was one of the few who lived and then his doctor gives him the good news like hey hey by the way of the survivors half of you are going to be dead in the next 3 to 6 months and uh half of the guys who are still around are going to be dead by the end of the year and uh then everybody else Within five years, you're gone. And I was talking to this guy in year number six. And and, um, the guy just was living with, and he still is living with um, the sense of borrowed time. Like he had already gotten a prognosis from an expert and he's like, great, I'm going to live this to the fullest. He wrote a book. He wanted to be an author. He wrote a book. He wanted to be a, a motivational speaker. He just converted what he was doing for public speaking, started doing that. Uh, he wanted to be in a movie. Uh, that was a little bit harder, he said, uh, but he landed like a little bit part where he got to speak two lines in an animated film that went straight to TV, uh, and his name's in the credits. Cool. Uh, he's not an IMDB. I've been looking for it. You know, he didn't tell me what the name of the show was, but uh, he's like, hey, check the box. There I was go. in he a credited role. Yeah, you have to <laughs> yeah. admire that, people that have great aspirations and they seek out, uh, in order to accomplish it. You know, what I don't want your listeners to do is some of the challenges, some of the landmines that I've had to go through. And the reason I'm doing interviews now is to help people to dodge some of those landmines. And for those that are unfamiliar with my story, some 22 years ago, now I was headed to the office at the pinnacle of my career. Uh, working three days a week, making more money than I've ever made, vacation home, beautiful house, great wife, beautiful daughters. And I ran over and killed a pedestrian on my way to the office. And it was a staggering moment. It was a point in time in my life where I was literally blindsided. And I took five years off. Uh, After that, I sold the business and just had to reflect. And what I discovered through that was that I'd had great success financially, but there was no significance in my life. I said, nobody cared that I had done pretty good. And if I had been the person killed that day at 40 years old, rather than the gentleman that was, my legacy would have been poor kid from Nashville, Tennessee, makes enough money to retire at age 27 and nobody cares. And I was like, man, that is not what I want. And I started thinking through it and I said, I want to make a difference, right? I I want to be able to look back one day and go, because I did this thing, like Jerry Dukin's life was better as a result of me being involved in that. And because of our interaction and my willingness to edify and encourage and challenge and have this interview, it's like there was a little wisdom maybe learned as a result of it. Or you 
felt a sense of encouragement. Uh, we need to be looking outward, not inward. We need to be givers, not takers. And what I learned through that horrific automobile accident was, is that I needed to live not only successful, but significant. And when I wrote View from the Top, living a life of success and significance, most people miss the significance piece and they get to the end of their life. Now they're tired. Now they're too old. And they're like, man, I made a little bit of money, uh, but I didn't make an impact. And so I just want us to, again, kind of take that evaluation personally and think, what is it that I'm doing today that's significant in the lives of others? Yeah. And that's huge. I mean, that's the one thing that I think folks who are stuck in a rut are feeling, you know, it's like, yeah, I may get this paycheck or I may have this title, but what's the real impact I'm making? Uh, like, um, I, I've seen retirement parties at where I work, other places where I've worked. And the one thing that always was noticeable to me. So, you know, whoever's around is celebrating the career of this person and how this person's been at the company for 20 years, 30 years. Uh, and it's like, what do you have to show for it in terms of the you know, impact or significance? It's like you got some strangers who are using you as an excuse to eat some cake. Uh, there's a PowerPoint that is done to some music, uh, but the pictures, you could tell they were kind of slapped together yeah, at the last minute. Right. And then, um, and the messages are from people you hardly know. Mm. They're like the new person that said, Hey, you're such a nice guy. Yeah. Glad to get to know you. Sorry that you're leaving so soon. Uh, but you look at the person's face, the, the person retiring. And for me, it's, it's always been the same sad where is everybody look on their face? You know, where's the guy that was here when I started my career 30 years ago? Uh, where's the manager who really lifted me up in my career? Like all those faces are missing from this person. And, um, you know, they're just clocking in and out every single day waiting for that retirement day to show up. And then, you know, they go off into obscurity. There's like, there's no carryover from all these folks who are saying, Oh, it's so great to work with you. Jerry, like, let's dive no, into that a little deeper. Uh, yeah. I've had the privilege of retiring three times. Okay. Once at 27, <laughs> nice. once at 40, once at 50. And today my wife said I'm working harder than I've ever worked in my career. Right. And so it's the Moses retirement plan, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, here's what happened was, is we were really, really broke when we first got married. Like I got married two weeks out of high school. Uh, I graduated a year before Robin. I waited on her to graduate. Two weeks later, we got married. She'd barely 18 years old. And, uh, I said, we're going to make something of ourselves financially. We're going to, we're going to do this thing. And we, and we did. And when I was 27, we sold to a fortune 500 and I had been working every day to retire. And then I was able to do it. And, uh, 90 days later, I was catching myself getting in the bed not on the bed, in the bed, in the middle of the day, I was bored out of my mind. I had wow, fished yeah. every day. I'd play golf every day, but all my buddies were working. Right. And I was like playing <laughs> golf with 60 year old men and I, they were beating me on top of that. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. And so 18 months later, I'd gained 50 pounds and I was absolutely depressed. And Robin came to me one day and she said, Hey, you got to do something. And so I went back and bought another company and kind of started over again. Retirement uh, can be good, but if you're not careful, most people that retire die shortly thereafter, right? They don't have a reason to go. Living a life of leisure 
every single day is of no interest to me. I thought it would have been, and I've tried it three times, once at 27, once at 40, once at 50. Every single time after a certain point, you get up and you go, is this all there is left? I mean, is this it? This is all I'm going to do. Watch Andy Griffith and go to a grocery store and go play pickleball and come home and sit on the porch and eat dinner and get up tomorrow and go do it again. That's like, that is not interesting to me. Now I do want to pause here for a second, Jerry, and say this, I don't want to minimize people's aspirations of making a lot of money. Making money is a good thing. Money gives you options. It gives you the ability to buy nice things. It gives you the ability to educate your children, to travel, I hate it when people with money go, it's not important. I don't go, you're a liar. It's real important, <laughs> right? Money is really a needed tool, but that's what it is. It's a tool, right? If it's the reason you're only working, you got to be careful with that, right? We need to be working for the right reason, the right purpose, whatever it is that you're doing, but treat money as a tool to live your life, not just to aspire to accumulate more of it for a sense of security, because it's a false security anyway. I mean, you look, we just went through a pandemic. Nobody could have forecasted that. And it put many, many, many people out of business, right? They had no contingency plan for a pandemic, right? And so there's a false sense of security in tangible possessions. And so just be really care careful what it is that you're working for and how you treat and look at money. Daniel Lappin, Rabbi Daniel Lappin, wrote a really good book called Thou Shalt Prosper. And if you've not read it and you're listening to me now, I highly recommend it. It gives you a really new perspective on how to look at money. I love that. And you tie that in with like, you know, money is an important tool, uh, but what we're really striving for is that life of significance. Right. And right. Um, yeah, how, how can folks start to identify what significance means for them. Yeah. Like, how do I know that I'm pursuing the right pursuit well, for me? I'm Christian by faith. And so for me, it's simply praying, meditating, reading scripture, uh, getting the consensus of the multitudes, surrounding myself with community of people that know me intimately. They know exactly who I am as an individual. They know my superpowers, my Achilles heel. They know my kryptonite. They know my blind spots. They know my family, and then they can help me make good decisions. So many people go to these 48-hour masterminds and spill their guts to people standing across a bonfire with a name tag on, and they take their advice and go do it, and that person doesn't even know them. They have no concept of their history. They know no data whatsoever. They don't know their financial position. They don't know what their giftedness is. There's no way you should be taking advice from people that you don't know intimately. Now there's generic advice that's applicable to most people, but we need specific advice that's applicable to our situation. And so what you need to do is really pay attention to the areas of your giftedness. My personal giftedness is encouragement. And I encourage a lot of people around the world to get out of them what they can't see in themselves. And so you've got to really be in touch with where your skills and your giftedness is, what your passion is, what gives you energy, what motivates you, what is it that you think about a lot that you would do anyway with or without pay. It's just something that you're uniquely gifted with. And when you're able to do that, you can apply the significance to the lives of other people based on the gifts and the talents that you've been blessed with. 
And so you've got to first do that personal evaluation and take a gifts assessment and see where it is that you can be used so that you can be significant. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's huge. Cause I mean, also from a Christian background, uh, you know, we're all wired a certain yeah. way with, you know, special gifts and talents. And, you know, with that, there, there is a purpose <clears throat> and like, you know, Aaron, your purpose is going to be different than sure. mine. And mine's going to be different from, you know, that guy, Eric, yeah. somewhere out there, uh, or the one that we knew at Podcast Movement. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but wouldn't it be a uh, crime to get to the end of your life and have regrets that you didn't use your giftedness to the significance and the betterment of other people? Wouldn't that be a crime? Oh, see, it's yeah. too late then. You're yeah. laying there and you're physically unable any longer. You don't have the stamina. You don't have the ambition, the motivation, the aspiration to really go for it. And a lot of people say, Hey, I'll get to that later. Like I'm trying to raise my family right now. I'm just trying to provide a living. Uh, you haven't prioritized your priorities purposefully if that is the case, because you can do these simultaneously. Yes. Yes. And it, it's true. I mean, I, I I had a a hospice chaplain on here and he had shared that one of the things that the the folks at the bedside Mm. or he was at the bedside, Mm. the folks that were on their deathbed, Mm. You know, they never wished I could check one more no, email or never. I'd love to have had one more meeting with that you right. know, finance officer. It's always, I wish I had done this project mm. to help these people mm. in this way, or I wish I could have been there more for my children or for my grandchildren. Right. Um, but it, yeah, it's never, you know, I wish I'd gotten that one more feather in my cap or published one more article no. at work or created a better PowerPoint. The know? reason, Jerry, uh, is that relationships matter most. And we forget that oftentimes we're in this pursuit for safety and security, and it's a false sense of safety and security. And we forget what the cost is associated with success. Buddy of mine joined our mastermind group, Iron Sharpens Iron recently, and he's wanting to double his business and he's got a very successful business now. And I said, "Uh, why do you want to double it? He said, well, I'm very aspirational. And I said, well, that's good. Do you know what it's going to cost you relationally to double your business? And he said, no, I've not even thought about it. I said, well, obviously you're going to have to work more and you're going to have to increase, you know, some of the personal time that you're going to have to put in for a period of time. And are you willing to cash in those relational chips in order to do that? And he's got to rethink that. He said, you know, I never really considered what it was going to cost me relationally. And here's the thing I want your audience to hear today. The, the, the business has no memory, but your family does. And you can be hugely successful financially at the expense of your family. And then you're going to come home one day and you're going to tell your kids, okay, now i got time to pitch ball. Now i got time to carry you to Girl Scouts or cheerleading or football practice. They're going to say, dad, got somebody else that'll do that. I've already got another relationship and you'll have a lot of money, but you've, uh, you, you've got no relationships any longer. And that's going to go with you through eternity. And so the kids are going to go away. They're going to go to college. And then you haven't forged the relationship during that impressionable time when they were younger and they've built relationships with other people. Just, just don't do success at the expense of your family. Yeah. Excuse me. And, you know, uh, from personal experience, I mean, my parents split up when I was 11 years old and I'll, I'll tell you all, uh, getting the birds and bees talk from my mother when I was 21 years old way more awkward than if she had done it when I was sure. like 12 because <laughs> she was trying to make up for lost yeah. time. And here yeah. she is trying to give me the birds and bees talk when I'm a grown adult right. and a science major at that, yeah. a college kid at that. I was like, mom, yeah. trust me. I got, this. I know how that works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's just that attempt to make up for lost time. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and I, yeah, it's, by the time they're adults, you've, you've missed it. Yeah. You know, by the time they're teenagers, yeah. even, um, here's what you got to do I, when, I, you, when you come home, Roy Vaden wrote another great book called procrastinate on purpose. And in the book, he really highlights us not aspiring to work-life balance because there's really not a such thing. What we've got to do is determine what's important in our life. And we've got to spend an inordinate amount of time in those top areas. And then you build guardrails, you have boundaries, you have accountability, you have people in your life that hold you accountable. One of the things I did do right, I did a lot of things wrong, maybe more wrong than right. But one of the things I did do is I always made myself available to my family. If Robin, Brooke, or Holly called me, I was available. And they said, thank you for doing that, you know, because it made an impression that we were priority in your life. We were important in your life. But a lot of guys today, a lot of women today, they'll come home from the office. The little boy wants to pitch baseball. The little girl wants to fly Frisbee or whatever, play Barbie dolls in the floor. And you're like, ah, I'd like to, but I got another proposal to put together. I've got an email I've got to send. I've got a phone call I've got to make. I want to encourage you not to do that. I want to encourage you to build the boundaries build a life that you can financially within those boundaries because the kids will accept that for a period of time and they'll understand for a period of time, but it'll come to a point to where they won't understand And what you're telling them is the work is more important than the relationship. Now you may not say that and you may not mean that intentionally, but you can say audibly, my family's the most important thing to me, but if you're not allowing them the time that they deserve uh, the work is more important. Your actions really dictate what's important to you, not your words. So just be mindful of that when the kids want to play. Uh, be sure and give them that time because you can't get it back. Yeah, yeah. And and the window is short. I mean, I I used to roll my eyes whenever some, you know, I'm doing air quotes, uh, old person would tell me when we had our younger kids, hey, appreciate it now because it's going to fly by before you know it. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. It you does. know, everybody says that. Um, and then our kids hit middle school and that's when the transition happened. You know, it's like now it's less cool to hang out with mom and dad. I want to hang out with my friends. And so by the time they got to high school, that's where, I mean, it's like they're still under our roof for four more years, but they were already growing up and they were already branching out and flying. And I was thinking, man, so those elementary years really did fly by. And I'm glad mm. I, I spent as much time as I was yeah. able to. And and then you got to shift gears. You know, I, I've seen a lot of parents try to hold on tightly to their kids when they're teenagers. And you got to do the opposite. You like you, you let them go a little bit further out. But be ready to catch them when they do hit that roadblock or they have that fall, that stumble, uh, and just be there to listen. Let them talk through it and learn from their mistakes. Uh, don't judge them. Don't put up like you know punishments because somebody bullied them at school. It's just so many opportunities there as well. Uh, you know, so we we've been talking about like what matters most and what's most uh, significant in terms of like our pursuits in life and what matters most. Uh, but you've mentioned a number of times here, we've kind of touched around it. Like we've said phrases like iron sharpens iron. We've talked about accountability, um, getting input from people who know you intimately. So tell us a bit more about 
you know, iron sharpens iron because you have a mastermind that you run. And I, I got a feeling it's a little different than your typical like weekend type yeah. of venue. Yeah, so, so tell us about that and how it built. Yeah, it up. I was exposed to masterminds 25 years ago. I was invited by a local personality here in Nashville to join his mastermind. And I did spent 10 or 12 years meeting every Wednesday in his conference room. And then when I retired at 50, they encouraged me to coach and train and teach. And I did started doing interviews. People started coming and I was like, man, I can't coach this many people. So I started Iron Sharpens Iron Mastermind where we meet virtually every week, same day, same time. And we have 10 people in a group. Well, as a result of that, I kept doing interviews, kept speaking, wrote a book. And today we have 150 members, 15 different groups. God's really put on my heart to grow this to 300 men in 30 groups and it's because of the transformational experience that's going on in their lives, personally, professionally, and spiritually. And the reason that we do it in its totality is because I came home with a pocket full of money to a house full of strangers when I was about 35 years old. I was building a business and I was so consumed with it that Robin walked up to me one day and said, hey, I don't want to live a single parent's life when I'm married. And, uh, we got to change some things up and it really got my attention. And I'm grateful that she had the courage to come up and say that. And so I said, when I started iron sharpens iron, that we were going to deal with the whole person because I can teach you to make money or I can teach you to grow personally, or I can teach you spiritually. But if any leg of that stool is off, there's going to be, uh, an imbalance we have to be solid in every area of our life. And so we deal with everything related to personal, professional, or spiritual. Um, a lot of people are Christian in faith. Some people are other faith. Some people are no faith. Um, you know, it's not a requirement that you're a person of faith, but uh, we do deal with faith to some level. Usually it's about 60% professional, about 30% personal, and about 10% spiritual is kind of how it's broken down. Uh, but we are absolutely taking people to heights they've never been. There's people doubling and tripling their business. Their marriages are getting put back together. Uh, they're developing rapport and relationships with their children like they've never experienced before. And quite honestly, Jerry, we've built a brotherhood. I mean, this is a community. It's become more of a movement than anything. And people's lives are just excelling in many, many areas that they never thought possible. And so constant accountability, we develop programs to help you accomplish your goals and dreams in five key areas of your life. We get together twice a year in person. So usually in March or April, and then usually either in September or October. Historically, it's been here in Nashville. We do go to different locations. Uh, but these people are accomplishing so much because they're so focused every single week with huge accountability and it helps you overcome many obstacles. There's a lot of people that had substance abuse. There were people that were highly addicted to pornography. There were people that uh, weren't involved at all spiritually. There were people that were highly motivated professionally, but their relationship with their spouse was falling off the tracks. And so we just meet you where you're at and we figure out how we can help you and it's radically transforming lives. Nice. So when the groups form, uh, are they just like the first 10 people to sign up? Are There's they no group, real rhyme or, or reason them? as to how to pair people together. We do an extensive interview with each applicant 
and we make sure they're in alignment with our core values and our core values are relationships matter most, make it amazing, no excuses, everything is figure outable and truth before opinion. And so we walk people through those core values and then we say, Hey, if Mondays work better for you, Tuesdays, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever day it is that works best for you. If there's an opening in that mastermind, we can put you in because you can be a mentor or a mentee regardless of where you're at. And so we've only had to move people once or twice and it's worked out fabulously. And we've had people meeting three to eight years consistently in the same group. And people say, why would I want to be in a group like that? Well, my question is, why would you want to leave a group like that if you were growing exponentially in every area of your life? And so uh, it becomes your board of directors. They're your trusted advisors. They're the people that walk with you and help you make your decisions every single day. I love that. I I love that. You know, just to get into the program is more than just uh, you've got a pulse and yeah. the jack cleared. Yeah. Yeah, no, like- we want people that are serious. We don't want people to just be talking about the biggest fish they caught or the basketball game. Those things are fun, but we're looking for people that really want to move the needle. We're looking for people that really want to level up, people that really aspire to growing, being all they were created to be. Yeah. And and it's just as far as like tenure goes, I mean, you mentioned there's some people who've been there for three years, some as many as eight yeah. years. So there's not like a, like, are they signing up for like a year at a time? No, you know, uh, we it- ask you to make at least a six month commitment because we can't get to know you less than six months. And so, yeah. uh, people are like, man, when they get in, they're like, man, why, where was this at 10 years ago? Like it changes everything when you have trusted non-biased advisors. And then you have people that can help you make decisions related to everything that you're dealing with. Isolation is the enemy to excellence. And if you want your life to go further, uh, you go with a tribe. You can go faster alone, uh, but you're going to make concrete decisions when you're going with a tribe. And it just really takes your life to a new level. Yeah. I, I would even say in the long run, having a tribe actually is the shortcut. Yeah, because it is. You're making, again, those sound decisions over time, build that momentum. And uh, yeah, so initially it might take a little bit longer than you wanted, but you know, you fast forward a few years and all of a sudden you're, you're able to look at any situation and based on past conversations say, ah, I do remember this conversation, this, okay, here are my options. Bounce it off your team real quick. And they're like, do that. They do, and, it works. <laughs> and off you go. Yeah. Awesome. So if somebody wants to sign yeah. up and say, yes, I need that kind You're of accountability. Great. I'm ready to level up my life. Where do they yeah, go? Thank you. Viewfromthetop.com. That's spelled with a V like Victor. Viewfromthetop.com. There's an application that will pop up. And I want to encourage you to do something. Go to our site, check it out. Go to viewfromthetop.com and fill out the application. You're not committing. You're not paying anything when you fill out the application. And let's have a conversation. You'll meet with me for 40 minutes and we'll go over your situation. We'll figure out where you're at, what it is that you're trying to accomplish. See if we're in alignment. It's a two-way evaluation. I'm evaluating you. You're evaluating me. We have hundreds and hundreds of men that you can call for testimonials and references. We've been around a long, long time. We've had a lot of people go through our program, have a lot of people currently in our program We've got a lot of people that can vouch for us that we're the real deal and we're going to help you accomplish what it is that you're trying to do. Nice. And Aaron, uh, before we go, any final words of wisdom you want to share? I think Jerry just saying um, 
this. When, when I was a kid, my mom had a little saying and it was can't couldn't do it, but could did it all. And I didn't like that when she would say that because she would never allow us to say the word can't, she would make us try. And it forged in me a sense of determination and grit and perseverance. And I want to encourage your listeners today to change their mindset. You can do anything you want if you're willing to put your mind to it. I said earlier that a lot of people are afraid of failing, but if you'll adopt the mindset of can't, couldn't do it, but could, did it all. And I'm going to be more fearful of missing an opportunity than I am fearful of failure. I think you'll have a very successful and significant life. Yes. I agree. Uh, Aaron, it was great to have you on here again. And uh, I mean, it's always a treat to chat with you. So uh, thank you for, for being Jerry, on Thank here. you, buddy. Have a good one. We'll see you. Well, I hope you got a lot out of that interview like I did. I love talking with Aaron Walker. He just has a way of spinning the tables on my own show. I don't know how or why, but he does it and it seems to work out. So I hope you also got value in that uh, like I did, because I certainly got to dive deeper into my own life and I didn't expect to. Uh, So we talked about the power of accountability, about uh, pursuing a life in a positive way, overcoming tragedy, and all those things come together. You you just need to have people you can trust who will pour into you, who trust and believe in you, and will also let you know when you're starting to fall short. All those things make for a great accountability partner. And if you could get into a mastermind group that is like that, like Iron Sharpens Iron, go for it. I myself I'm a member of a few groups, and they all hold my feet to the fire for different things, whether it's podcasting, whether it's my business, whether it's my own marketing brand. Uh, So each group has a different purpose for me, but they all are encouraging. They hold my feet to the fire. They hold me accountable to my goals, and they let me know when I seem to be straying from what it is I want to do. So if you enjoyed everything we talked about in this episode, go check out the show notes at beyondtherut.com slash 341. And there you'll find links to Aaron's website, his resources, and a few other episodes related to this one, like the goals discussion he was a part of back in December. Now, I'm glad you joined me this week, and I look forward to joining you again next week. But until next time, go live life beyond the rut. Take care. You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showian myself, I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Capshow team today and join me inside that community.